And just for a moment, bow your hearts with me as we pray. God, creator, redeemer, sustainer, draw near now. Amen. We had hoped, but the treatment didn't work. We had hoped, but this baby didn't make it. We had hoped, but she won't walk again. We had hoped, but the contract fell through. This string of disappointments is mine. You likely have your own list of plans and dreams gone sour. You know this feeling. You know it deep in your soul. Today, we get to walk alongside the two on the road as they've left the scene of their utter disillusionment and begin to process their desolation, all that had happened and hurt. This is the time after the brutality of the crucifixion, between the stories of resurrection and ascension, a space, a space of heart-wrenching unknowing. The two, we are told, are disciples. They are among those who hedge their bets on the prophet Jesus and at present believe they've lost. It's been three whole days, three whole days. And they take the seven mile journey to Emmaus, drenched in the story's perceived ending. They had hoped that Jesus would set Israel free that Jesus was the Messiah. So this is where we find them. As they're living into the reality of despair, the horrible diagnosis, the unanswered prayer, the we had hoped, but it's just not working. You get it, you know. On the road after the hardest thing and before the next, we often find ourselves in the middle of a spiritual auditing of sorts, where we take inventory on the what and how of our knowing, review the details as we live into and learn what it means to be a disciple, a witness to the mystery, memory, and birthed hope on the pilgrim's journey. This is what it means to be on the way. The disciples' conversation with a perceived stranger is a highlight of our mystical reading. Jesus is the physical embodiment of all they'd hoped for, and they don't seem to know it. They don't or can't recognize him. This is the Jesus we see but don't see, the trickster Jesus who demands we pay attention with our hearts and minds, engage our senses differently as we discern his movement after resurrection. Walking toward the fullness of our faith demands the development of spiritual vision, the honing of a vigilant awareness. This is the mystical world of faith where seeing is not seeing, where eyes alone are insufficient for validating experience, where we learn to listen and see with the heart, hear with spiritual ears, 
where we begin to testify to a truth beyond facts, to things we can never prove. This is the journey toward a life beyond life, a life that does not end. The scriptures serve as another grounding component of this story. The scriptures hold memory and confirm Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. And so, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus was made plain. He made plain, interpreted to them the things about himself in the scriptures. Scripture testifies. Jesus opens the scriptures and enables supernatural understanding, that inner knowing that can't easily be refuted. Go back to the story, he says. Make the connections. Remember them. In another effort, Jesus blesses and breaks bread to enable their ritual remembrance of the times before when he'd been made known to them. This is that, and I, am he, awakening the memory that tells them with whom they enjoy fellowship in this moment, just who sits in their midst. Between these two lines, their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and then their eyes were opened, is this, the beckoning back to the scriptures, the memory, the burning in their hearts, an alternate, an alternate way of knowing that does not include seeing with the eyes, the stay with us, the desire for more, even of that which cannot be named. And the Eucharist, the revelation in the blessing and breaking of bread, Christ made known, the meal is part of the remembrance and helps them recall previous gatherings. They remember and understand that the story of Jesus, even his death and suffering, are part of a plan. It is unfolding, happening, according to the witness of scripture. The experience of Christ in word and sacrament, the memory, the mystery, all of which leads them back to hope. Scripture and sacrament nurtures hope. It nurtures theirs. It nurtures ours. Scripture and sacrament provide a pattern for hope, a connection to an ancient and sacred rhythm that tells us this life, our faith is not meaningless or random and chaotic, but that God's work is happening already and always. And yet, our day-to-day -day experience tells us we live in the not yet. And so if this is a public discourse about hope to and for believers, and I believe it is, the question for us is how will we live into our faith with those disappointments, with those failures and failings? The only place we can land with some sort of equanimity is with our desires in alignment with what God wants, what God dreams. This is a hope that distinguishes itself from blind optimism and is not only something we can utilize in the future. This is something we can access and hold on to and tap in to use today. 
It's true. Our individual struggles are only part of the story. Our cries of we had hoped extend well beyond the personal to local, national, even global concerns. So while I began our time together today highlighting personal, human struggles, we know the disciples to be in a political battle. And hope is political. Hope is radical, hope is audacious, hope is powerful. And it always makes a statement. Theirs is a fight against domination and oppression, against political and religious leadership and institutions. They learn to see and trust. In the midst of this, they learn to see and trust, to engage hope as a beautifully surrendered detachment from a particular outcome and center only their desire to be aligned with Jesus. And so, heart forward, onward with hope. But there's something more, and you know there always is. Hope ignites dreams as action. So with the disciples, we see a corresponding action as an offshoot of their hope. The disciples return to Jerusalem speaking life into the dream of a different world. When they return to Jerusalem, it's because they've begun to, with confidence, imagine and go. Go knowing they'll confront the same death-dealing institutions that drove them out in the first place. But with hope, they go. They go to speak and they go to tell. On a personal level, for the situations mentioned above, there was discernment, prayerful counsel, and movement, when possible, towards something different, another application, a different contract, and sometimes towards a letting go of the things that could not be changed, the things that were permanently broken. There is always this, the mystery, the memory, and the hope that is birthed from it, and how those words transform our spiritual edification. Mystery becomes a peaceful stillness, even a quiet and powerful acquiescence as we begin to trust new ways of perception. Memory settles us in a sense of groundedness, of knowing and hope shapeshifts. Hope shapeshifts into dreams and the prayerfully active stance we take as we work towards them, as we work towards their fulfillment. And that's important to center because we do have choices. We can engage as active participants in our faith journey. We can dream and do, but always checked checked against that posture that ultimately wants God's will. The difference is in the posture of the heart. And so we are always facing uncertainty and death. Losses we did not foresee. Being pushed into new ways of living, beginning again on paths we would not have chosen. And learning to live 
with what can't be fixed or changed. But leaning into the mystery and memory breeds hope and compels us to dream. At chapter's end, the two disciples have moved beyond the beautiful surrender of a healthy hope to the space of dreams, and they begin to tell and they share their story. Our job is to stick around long enough so that we can tell ours. So no giving up, no caving in, no quitting, only holding on. We'll seal our time together in silence for just a few moments of reflection. Because we've touched upon some heart things right now, right? This is personal. And so I'd ask, while you're seated in your pews, if you want to close your eyes, if that's available to you, and if it feels comfortable in this space, do that. Get comfortable in your seat. Find a comfortable place for your hands. And maybe just hold your palms up and surrender, right? The Lord, you know. Lord, I had hoped. I had hoped. We had hoped. And ask yourself, like the two on the road, have, have you given up? Are you starting to give up? Will you lean into the mystery? And what are you not seeing in this hard space? Have you been blind, blinded by the ruins around you? All that you've lost. The disappointment, the struggle. And what are you remembering? Are you hearing God as for you? and not against you? Are you perceiving God with you? Do you need reminding? A flashback of history and time to with a heart inclined toward what was written. Remember the story that connects you to that hope, that original hope which has always lived in time outside of time, and it cannot be rushed. And that's so very human for us to do, to want to rush everything. Well, remember that. Remember that hope refuses the, the demands of our predetermined, anxiety-producing timelines. Hope says, wait. Hope says stay. Hope says let's see. What will awaken your sacred memory? Is it possible you've walked away from the resurrection that walks alongside you?
We'll spend our last moment together in silence. And I know this isn't long enough to really dive into these emotions, to these feelings and experiences, but it's a beginning. And so even now in this quiet, just ask God to continue to work on you with this, to work on us with this. Mystery, memory, it births hope. And the God that we need, the God we always want, is walking beside us. Just want to give us a little more time. In some traditions, they say, tarry, right? We're going to wait a minute. We're not going to rush. So just sit here, imagining Jesus beside you walking along that road. helping you to see differently, helping you to remember. As we slowly return from that quiet space, I invite you to stand with me as we continue praying. <clears throat> 